You're listening to the Growing Up Rock Podcast with your host, Stephen Michael and Sonny Hollywood Pooney. Hollywood, what's going on? Dude, I'm just chilling in the house. You know, I'm not a world traveler like you the last couple of weeks. I know. I've been busy and I, and it's not over yet. I got more travel coming up next week, so uh, definitely moving around. I do what I I do what I got to do for the show, my friend. Uh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that, yeah, for the show, of course. Yeah, yeah. anything for the show. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, you know, that's always my first priority. That and rock and roll, which just happens to uh, you know intersect and collide all at the same time. That's right. So by the time this episode comes out, it will be the week of July 4th, Independence Day week, when this episode comes out. And we've got an interesting one. So the show is all about growing up rock. And I figured, hey, what better than growing up rock but to go talk to somebody who is brand new, young, and up and coming and find out what's the future of rock and roll look like, right? So I went out to Denver, not specifically just for this. I just kind of, I'm very good at organizing things as I travel to make things happen while I'm in the towns that they're happening in. So I went out to Denver and arranged an interview with Jacob Cade. Now, Jacob Cade's probably not a name that a lot of people have heard of, but Jacob Cade is a young 19-year-old up-and-coming singer slash guitar player from Denver who is all about the rock and roll. His style kind of falls somewhere, what would you say, somewhere around like the Guns N' Roses thing? What do you think? Yeah, his songs definitely have straight-ahead rock feel, and they have a little bit of a punkish attitude to them. So, yeah, GNR. Yeah, um, it's not as polished as even when GNR um, came out with Appetite, but yeah. uh, it has a GNR feel to it. Yeah, that's right. I mean, and he's like we said, he's 19 years old, and he wrote his first album when he was 16 and still in high school, which was called "The Prince of Rock and Roll." which you can find on iTunes, go out there. And he's got a new EP coming out called The Hunger, or Hunger, rather. Uh, no the in front of it, just Hunger. But he's made a lot of, I guess, headway in the music industry just from some of the people that he has aligned himself with and some of the people that he's worked with, which is one of the reasons why I thought he would be really interesting to talk to. First of all, he had... Michael Wagner produced his EP. Then he did co-writing sessions with Lizzie and Joe from Hailstorm, Paul Taylor from Winger, and the first single, What's Your Problem, he did with Rachel Boland from Skid Row. So there's some pretty good names there that he's working with. Don't you agree? Yeah, he's a pretty lucky dude. I think uh sounds like he's a smart kid, and he's taking advantage of, hey, if there's something to be learned from somebody, let me go learn it. I can't tell you that when I was 16 through 19 years old that I was like, well, let me see everything that I can learn from so-and-so. Yeah. I was telling people how I saw the world and I was right and everybody else was wrong. So 
this kid seems to be a little more open-minded and that's opening some doors for him which is great to see yeah he's super nice guy really just kind of i mean from the outside looking in he's just like a very very normal kid and i hate calling him kid but you know my ass is old so everybody's a kid to me uh, <laughs> but yeah i mean he's 19 years old he's already a very proficient guitar player and i think he has a real clear vision i think that vision kind of I think his love for rock and roll was instilled in him at a very early age. His dad uh, was a classic rock lover and I guess played in cover bands and played guitar. And so his dad uh, has a love for rock and roll, which of course rubbed off on Jacob. So I think that's really great because, you know, we always talk about, well, where's the next generation of rock star going to come from? How do kids get their music these days? Because nobody's listening to albums. We sort of cover a lot of that in the interview. I mean, we talk about all that just because I'm kind of curious about his views on a lot of that stuff. So I think it's going to be cool. You agree? Yeah. So one of the things that I learned from the interview, which I just hadn't put two and two together, but I'm like, oh, that makes so much sense now. Guitar Hero was this generation's MTV, and it was my kids' MTV. The songs that they know and the songs that they learned to play on instruments started at Guitar Hero, then went to Glee, right? So you could say this is like the Guitar Hero Glee generation. Yeah, that's a really, really great point because you're right. I've got to say that when I sat down and talked to him, that was one of those moments when he told me that. That was one of those moments where I was kind of like, oh, what, what, wait, what? You know, because it did. It hit me like a ton of bricks. You're absolutely 100% on point with that analogy. And I never really thought about it before, but. For sure. Good stuff. It's going to be fun. He's coming to Rockin' Pod in Nashville, which again, Rockin' Pod 2 in Nashville. If you guys have any way of being at this thing, I would definitely plan on uh, 10. A, it's completely affordable. If you can get yourself to Nashville as far as the tickets to the show, to the expo, all that stuff is so affordable. But on top of it, it's just going to be a complete weekend of great stuff you got this killer concert on friday night with angel and ron keel acoustic and torah torah that in itself is awesome and then you got the expo all day saturday and then saturday night you got this after party concert so you have denman playing a set you have Jacob Cade playing a set right before them, and then you got a couple other bands that are also on the bill with them. Uh, so it's just going to be an awesome night of uh, rock and roll Saturday night. And then if you're inclined and you want to stick around another day to explore Nashville, Sunday night there is a comedy show with Craig Gass, Courtney Conan Dole, and Earl Skakel, right? Yep. What's up? This is Jacob Cade, and I'll see you at Rockin' Pod 2 in Nashville, 
in August. Be there. It's going to be awesome. I can't wait to see you. Still love it loud? So do we. Rockin' Pod returns to Nashville on Saturday, August 25th. Over 25 rock podcasts from all over North America. Recording on site. Vinyl and memorabilia dealers selling the best in rock merchandise. And awesome rock musicians and personalities participating in signing sessions and onstage panel discussions throughout the day. Special guests include current and former members of Korn, Kiss, Angel, Winger, Loudness, Except, Bang Tango, Kick Tracy, as well as producers that have worked with Slayer, Ozzy, Alice Cooper, Seven Dust, and many more. More guests being added weekly. Don't miss your chance to be part of an awesome celebration of all things rock. Rock and Pod takes place at the legendary Nashville Palace, August 25th, 2018. More details available at rockandpod.com. That's R-O-C-K-N-P-O-D.com. The Nashville Rock and Pod Expo. Brought to you by Blind Tiger Record Club, School of Rock Nashville, and School of Rock Franklin, a DBG Productions event. So, fun, fun, fun rock and roll weekend in Nashville, Tennessee. So, make it out. And if you guys can't make it out, no worries. We're going to have tons of coverage for you on the Grown Up Rock podcast. We would love it if you guys went and donated to the Rock and Pod 2 in our name. That would make us look good for all our friends and you know, we would just generally be cool then if we did that, right? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so before we get into this interview with Jacob. Everyone's got a rock and roll story to tell, and we want to hear yours. So go to our website at growinguprock.com. That's one word, G-R-O-W-I-N-U-P-R-O-C-K.com. Or visit us on our Facebook page at Growing Up Rock and tell us all about it. All right, Grown Ups of the Week. These are all the people that shared us on Facebook and retweeted us on Twitter. Bill Elam, Robson Ramos, Michael Groves, Ukami Griffin Cowlitz, Bill Algie, Lady Lake Music, Kristen Kibo, HairnetRadio.com, Rodney Dixon, Alan Tate, Janet Eck, Star 3065-9700, G-A-M-F, Jay Zablewski, Little Fish, Nighthawk, Andrew Jacobs, Bella Lowe's 1966, Dirk Sokolowski, Matthew Patterson, Podcast Rock City, Rick Frio, Mark Winder 8, Singer Hasnan Abbas, Ogata, David Hudson, Shawana Lee, Digital Killed, DNR Studio CEO, Restrained, Metal Empire Mag, Kim at Nobody's Real, Adam Cox, Jody Habnot, Allison J. Miles, Galaxy 500Q, Decibel Geek, The Power Core Channel, Rob Alanese, Chris Sinzak, Tony Masalam, David Cathy, Pods and Sods Network, Vinny Folletti, I Love It Loudcast, Steve Wright, Melodic Dirt, EMZT Radio Podcast, Daryl Alber, Classic Rock Drops, Eladio, Tom Dust, Arrowhead, Courtney Cronin Dold, Jason Kearney, Victor Ruiz, Save Rock and Metal, The Peter Principle, Brian Chambers, Cobras and Fire Podcast, since we had Baco on the show, Marco Mendoza, because we reshared his interview and then Marco retweeted it, which was great. And then Striper again retweeted Michael Sweet's interview. So some of these folks have been with us since day one, and some of uh, these folks are new listeners. We appreciate you all and thank you very, very much. 
Absolutely. And I want to add Air Peeler to that. We appreciate all the support from earpeeler.com, uh, your one-stop shopping for all the rock and roll podcast. And I forgot to mention that I had a great time hanging out with Loose Cannon while I was in Denver. He and I had dinner together one night, and that was super cool, getting to know Loose uh, from the Cobras and Fire podcast a little bit better. Obviously, we got to know his partner in crime, Baco, when he was on the podcast, but love the Cobras and Fire podcast. Uh, It's definitely rated R. (laughs) I'll say that right up front. Um, in most cases anyway, but, uh, really just funny tongue in cheek, uh, stuff with great music. I mean, they really do play some really good music, uh, on that podcast. So always appreciate that kind of stuff. So kudos to those guys as well. And if you, uh, donate to the rockin pod, uh, $10, you can do it in our name. That would be appreciated. You get some bonus content that's only available to our VIPs. And uh, I actually ended up doing an interview with Victor Ruiz. So uh, my guess is it probably won't be out to like maybe July, late July, possibly August. Yeah. Because uh, he has a lot that he's got to release. But uh, we had an interesting talk, some stuff probably most people didn't know. So interesting conversation. Awesome. Yeah, absolutely. That's once again, that's uh, Victor Ruiz and airpeeler.com that do this VIP content for people that are doing the rock and pod and like Sonny said, he just did an interview. I did an interview a while back that he released. There are other podcasters. And we've done some really cool shows with other podcasts. I know the one that we did with um, Rock and Metal Combat and Rock and or Roll and the uh, CGCM guys for Cherry Pie was really cool and came out really well. And also uh, Pods and Sods was in on that as well. So that was great fun. Uh, we got a couple of reviews on iTunes recently there, Sonny. Let's check those out. I'm excited. Both five-star reviews. And the first one says, Great Fun Podcast. That is the title. And it goes a little bit like this. It's Stephen and Sonny had a great chemistry, and they really know their stuff. Listening to Growing Up Rock really just feels like spending time with friends that share your interest. Fun fan-friendly, informed, and charming. Highly recommend this fine, fine show. I like it. That was a great review. Yeah, that was from Candlelight Concerts. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. All right. This one is from Alpha Moose. Gotta love that name. (laughs) (laughs) And And it's simply titled Rock On. This one goes, Stephen and Hollywood are the best. I've enjoyed the last six months listening to great classics and learning about newer bands from this podcast. Keep up the outstanding work, guys, and keep shuffling, rattling, and rolling. God, I love it. Thank you, thank you, Alpha Moose. Thank you, thank you, Candlelight Concerts. We do absolutely 150% appreciate the support. So thanks for listening. All right, Sonny. So that's our grown-ups of the week. That's our reviews. We love and appreciate everybody's input. So go to our Facebook page. You can leave us a review or go to iTunes. You can leave us a review. We appreciate each and every one of you guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Are we ready to do this interview with Jacob Cade? 
Yeah, it's a great interview. And uh, his music, you know, I was just thinking about it. Not only does it have that GNR feel, it has that Billy Idol feel too. Because Steve Stevens brings that great guitar riff and the great music. There's no synthesizers really in, in uh, Jacob's stuff. But uh, it's got that Billy Idol punch to it too. So uh, yeah, check this out. Yeah, it's definitely rocking, and he's so young and so new, so where he can go from here is only up, my guess would be, and if this is his starting point, then uh, color me impressed, because uh, he could come up with some really great stuff uh, moving forward, so enjoy this interview with Jacob Cade. How's it going? I'm Jacob Cade, and I'm giving my grown-up rock story on the Grown Up Rock Podcast with Stephen Michael. Turn that up! So I'm sitting here with Jacob Cade. How's it going? Good to be here. Thank you for having me, man. Thanks. Welcome to the show. I'm glad you got a chance to sit down and talk with us. This is fun. Oh, me too. Me too. Definitely. Anytime we get a chance to do something like this, I'm all there. So thank you very much. Absolutely. So part of the growing up rock story is talking to people that have already, for the most part, had careers in the industry, but I thought it's really important to talk to somebody who's kind of a new, younger, up-and-coming artist, but somebody that's kind of looking back at the old school of rock and roll. And I've been listening to your music here for the past few weeks, and you definitely kind of capture that old spirit, raw, just guitar-driven rock and roll, which is very near and dear to my heart. So Awesome. <laughs> so we wanted to kind of talk to you about that. So you're young. How old are you? I'm 19 years old. That's young. Yes. Yes, I am. Um, some might say I'm still a baby. <laughs> so we're talking about your growing up rock story, but honestly, you're kind of in the middle of your growing up rock story as far oh, yeah. as we're concerned. Yes. I mean, I'm in the middle. Honestly, it feels like I'm still at the beginning you know it's it's still you know just keeps going and going up and it feels like at different stages of my music life I'm always finding new beginnings depending on what might happen different events that happen it's almost like just a bunch of new beginnings for me new plateaus if you will that I reach so uh, it's hard to kind of think of being in the middle of it because, I mean, the band's only been together for about six years, about to be seven. But that's a lot considering you're only 19. That's true. Yes, <laughs> it is very much. Sometimes I forget how old I really am, I think. <laughs> so let's go back to the beginning and start at the beginning a little bit. So what are some of your, the earliest memories that you have as far as when music was introduced to you in your life? Because... For me, I mean, I know a lot of people go, well, I I heard this song when I was three years old. Listen, I don't remember shit when I was three years yeah, old. Yeah, so yeah. what was it for you? When was it for you when you just, not necessarily as a musician, but as just a fan of music, when did you get introduced to, to music and how did that come about and what were some of the bands and some of the albums and, and music that you were introduced to in digging? So 
at the beginning, very, very beginning, before I was playing guitar, before I was even into rock and roll, I was a huge Michael Jackson fan. Uh, I loved his performances. I always used to watch uh, his live DVDs and everything and just be in awe. And I knew I wanted to be a performer from him. You know, he got me into music and just being obsessed with sound and performance and everything. Um, and then it wasn't until I was about eight or nine, I went over to a friend's house and he had Guitar Hero playing on the on the TV and I started playing it and I was more interested in the animated guitar player dancing around on stage and the fans going crazy more than the actual game. So I recognized the music from stuff that my dad played in the car all the time, which was that 80s, 70s, 80s rock and roll. And I came home and I grabbed the first thing that had a guitar on it out of the video cabinet and I put it in and it was Song Remains the Same by Zeppelin, that video concert and hold on hold on now so your yeah dad, your dad's an old school rocker yes very much so so yeah. when, so so your dad never really pushed any of this rock and roll off on you he just kind of was doing his own thing listening to it yeah and by kind of association i guess let's say uh you kind of stumbled yeah. upon it right? i got the secondhand rock and roll bug you know which is i think the healthiest way that it could have came to me sure you know i've I hear all the time, you know, oh, well, my mom wants me to play an instrument or my dad wants me to play an instrument or I need to listen to this music or blah, blah, blah. Um, it's it's more healthy and it's more of a impact if it just kind of, if you find it on your own. Yeah, I think it needs to start. I don't think people necessarily come into things musically wanting to be a musician i think it starts with being a fan of music first yeah of course you just become obsessed with it and right. then it's just the, if the obsession doesn't go away then you you eventually want to do it yourself <laughs> so yeah so you picked out that song remains the same video which for a lot of us that are uh, a bit older that was kind of a midnight movie theater yeah. showing for us and I i'm mean, jealous of you guys for that I'll be honest with you. I was not a huge fan of that movie or Zeppelin early on Yeah, uh, when okay. I was a teenager. Now, obviously, people mature and things come about, and now I'm a huge fan of it of of all. But back then, I wasn't a huge fan of it. So, But you took to it right away. Definitely. I don't know what it was, but I just thought it was so cool. I thought Jimmy Page was so cool with the Les Paul swung low and I didn't know what was going on but it just was cool to me hell yeah it was yeah <laughs> how can it get any cooler exactly. the sunburst Les Paul hanging low or the dual neck uh, SG yeah. uh, mm -hmm. uh, Gibson right yes that's exactly what got me it was just the coolness of it was there anything musically that stood out to you any song in particular or rock and roll man the very first one <laughs> when, how can you go wrong yes yes rock and roll and black dog were the two zeppelin songs that really did it for me yeah, yeah. okay mm -hmm. awesome so you're introduced to music where did you go from there like so if it started with zeppelin you at some point decided to start digging into yep. things so where did where did it go from there so it went from zeppelin and then it went to guns and roses wow um, that's a yeah. big jump that's that's like a light year jump that's yeah. going from one let me ask this did you dig into all the zeppelin catalog oh yeah first before 
I didn't listen to anything else but Led Zeppelin for like, I don't know how long it was. It uh, seemed like years. Okay. <laughs> it was just Zeppelin, Zeppelin, Zeppelin. And then one day we went to an Ozzy Osbourne concert and Slash's solo band opened up for him. And then I, you know, was like, who is that? Would that have been Slash's Snake Pit at that point? Or? No, it would have been, uh, it, it is uh, Slash, which is now Slash featuring Miles Kennedy and the Conspirators. Okay. But it was their first album where Slash had all the different singers on it and everything. Right. But that, you know, being like, who's Slash? And it's Slash from Guns N' Roses. So I got the Guns N' Roses Greatest Hits album, which was just laying around. Yeah. And turned me on to Slash's guitar playing. And then that is where... It just turned into I want to I want to play like that. See that that discussion is so it's blowing my mind right now because I think at this point, even talking to some of the guys in uh, Greta Van Fleet at oh, yeah. one point who are younger guys as well, but having this conversation on the rock and roll and having somebody tell me that they got into Guns N' Roses with the greatest hits record is just like. Pfft. Yeah, right. Because, you know, I'm used to talking to people that are like, oh, appetite for destruction. Hell yeah, yes, you right. Know? And stuff like that. And so it, I'm wrapping my head. I'll catch up to you, Jacob. Just <laughs> give me a minute to wrap my head around some of this shit that we're talking about right now. Uh, so, okay, you dive into Guns N' Roses. And so, hey, right now you're starting at a pretty good point with Zeppelin. And then you're moving into uh, Slash and, and Slash. Although I think he was a little bit more into Perry, he was obviously a Jimmy Page fan as well. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. And so you make that jump, which to me is like light year jump from going from Zeppelin straight into Guns N' Roses yeah. uh, without any stops in between like yeah. Aerosmith. Or well, I got there. I, I got there definitely. Um, I At that point, I was very obsessive. So once I found something that I liked, I, well, I still am, but right. once I found something I liked, I just stuck with it until something else came along. Yeah. Um, now I'm my music variety is like insane. You would not believe how much I listen to and how many different genres and, and artists I do listen to. But We're going to yeah. get into some of that coming right up. But I want to talk to you now that you're a music fan. You've dug into the Zeppelin and the Guns N' Roses and you want it to be a performer based on what you said about Michael Jackson. Mm -hmm. Where does musicianship get introduced into your life where where does that happen so it actually came on that day that i came back from playing guitar here at my friend's house i knew that my dad had guitars all around the house so your dad was a musician yes he, he was in high school bands when he was younger and he he was the the guitar player of el paso texas type of thing they played all around and that whole whole bit so i actually named the band at first after one of his bands that he had when he was younger it was the jim cade project okay and so mine turned into the jacob cade project and you know now it's turned into just jacob cade but um going back to your question where did musicianship come in i asked my dad to teach me a few chords and he did and then after that i took it upon myself and just learned by listening and learned by watching their fingers and just trying to figure this instrument out and so that's how i did it so did it start with guitar or did it start with piano guitar okay most definitely and then you picked up piano along the way yes i actually started playing piano i've been playing piano for about i want to say a year now yeah 
That's where the piano comes in very much more recently. Why guitar and not drums or not cello or not, you know, keyboards? Why guitar? Was it the fact that it was the convenience of it because your dad was a guitar player beforehand? Yeah, well, that and also it was it was Jimmy Page. And okay. Jimmy Page, he was like, I want to be that guy. I want to play guitar. Yeah. Um, so you just thought Page was cooler than Plant at that point. Oh, for sure. <laughs> I I mean, I thought they were all cool, but there was something about Jimmy Page, man. He just looked Let's awesome. Let's be honest. None of us thought that John Paul Jones was very cool with yeah. the bowl haircut, right? <laughs> I know. Nobody, little, liked, that nobody bowl, liked the bowl haircut. The bowl cut thing. Right? I, mean, I liked the peaches that he had off his shirt, though. That <laughs> yeah. was pretty cool. <laughs> so so I, can, I can identify with wanting to be Bonzo banging the shit out of drums, or I can identify with being Plant just looking cool up there singing, or, mm-hmm. or Page with the guitar hung low. But, but John Paul Jones, I was kind of like, yeah. Yeah, that guy's not cool. But truthfully, John Paul Jones, now, let me just say this. John Paul Jones is a complete musical genius. He's a badass. He was responsible for so much more in that band than people actually realize, but... Uh, I don't want to get on my soapbox about gotcha. John Paul Jones. <laughs> so, okay, so it started with guitar. And did you pick that up fairly easily? Yes, I, I'd like to say that I did. I mean... It was a challenge, of course. It, it's hard to pick anything up, but I'd like to say that I'd like to think I had a bit of a knack for it, um, even at a young age. And I honestly became obsessed, and I played all the time, and I still play all the time. And I think that that's uh, more than anything what someone has to have if they're going to become great at anything mm-hmm. um, or become good at anything is you just have to do it all the time. And it's not just practice. It's actually playing and having fun with it. Because that's, to me, is the best practice you can have rather than saying, I'm going to go practice. It's like, I'm just gonna, I just want to jam because it's fun. What was the first song you learned on guitar? It was Rock and Roll by Zeppelin, man. Uh, did you learn the solo and all? Uh, yes. Yeah. I, I learned it. I learned it exactly off of the song remains the same. Really, the live version. Uh huh. Yeah. Because le- did you, was that the first solo that you actually learned too? It was. Yeah, the first one that I actually you know played note by note and yeah. everything. Yes. Mm-hmm. Did you go learn the Heartbreaker solo at some point? Oh um, yeah, of course. <laughs> I thought it was the coolest thing ever. He would play with one hand and raise his other hand up, and I would do it. I I was I was like a Jimmy Page mini me type yeah. deal i i had my grandparents make me the suit um the jumpsuit and i would wear it nice. and I would jam yeah <laughs> that's great so listen we're products of our environment and our surroundings and so how has your life and preference to music been influenced by obviously by your dad so not only your dad but has your has your mom had any influence in you musically does she listen to music does she like it yeah definitely um my mom's very diverse uh in the music aspect of her life i definitely have picked up a lot of artists like justin timberlake bruno mars uh, a little bit of john mayer she prefers the pop side of things bit yeah mm-hmm. pops is a rocker yeah pops and i hang out together yeah yep. um and then your mom is like my wife yeah. probably like the majority of wives and also <laughs> and also a bit of country um 
my mom definitely got me hooked on Garth Brooks. Yeah. Who is, I think, <laughs> I think he's a rock and roller caught in a yeah. country guy's body. Without a doubt. There's a lot of those guys, too. You listen to country music today, and if you listen hard at country music, today's country music, every one of those dudes grew up on ACDC and, yeah. and Guns N' Roses, guaranteed. Yeah, man. I, yep. I definitely agree with you on that. Yeah, for sure. Very cool. So I was... Doing my research on Jacob Cade, and everything's out there on the internet these days. Nothing's hidden. Mm -hmm. And I'm Googling, and I'm reading, and I'm YouTubing, and I stumble upon, and I've seen all the press stuff on Jacob Cade. You can't keep that stuff from me. Mm -hmm. That's what you want me to see. I want to see the shit you don't want me to see. Cool. So I start, and and I stumble upon Parker Day's at 12 years old. Yeah, cool. And so Parker Days at 12 years old is Jacob Cade at some Parker Days, which is like your whatever your little city town days. We all have them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so you're 12 years old and the guitar is bigger than you and you roll out on stage and you do a medley with no singer. It's just you, a guitar, and an amp. Um, and you do a medley and the medley... And this this is why I wanted to bring this point up because uh, I said a little bit earlier that we're kind of products of our environment. If you go to my house or you go to my stereo or you go to my record collection, you will understand what I'm all about. Doesn't mean I don't like country or I don't like Bach or I don't like Beethoven or I don't like Prince or Bruno Mars or Justin Timberlake. I like all that shit. I went and saw Bare Naked Ladies last night at Red Rocks. Cool. So I like it, but who I am uh, is very apparent when you get in my car or you listen to my podcast or you do any of these things. And so I think who you were at 12 years old is who you've grown to be today, which this medley was ACDC. Hendrix, Stevie Ray Vaughan, and Zeppelin, and then there was one other tune that I couldn't figure out at the end. What was oh, the one at the end? that was one that I wrote, okay. actually. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, I couldn't figure that one out, but I got the ACDC. You opened up with Thunderstruck. Yeah. You went into The Voodoo Child. You went into Stevie Ray Vaughan. Was it Pride and Joy? Pride and Joy. Mm-hmm. And then Zeppelin. Was it, it wasn't rock and roll. What was the Zeppelin tune? Uh, must have been Black Dog. Black Dog. It was Black yeah. Dog. Uh, so I'm like, okay, 12 years old, dad has done his job, first of all. So that's good. Uh, and and we've got that instilled in a 12-year-old kid. So if this guy is going to be a musician and he's going to want to do music that he likes, not necessarily what is selling today then that's going to be the barometer. Let's say that's the barometer of who you're going to be. And I'm okay if you're making music that is instilled from ACDC, Hendrix, Zeppelin, Stevie Ray Vaughan, Guns N' Roses, Slash. I'll buy your music all day long. Mm-hmm. I'll listen to your music all day long. Yep. Uh, and so cool. that's cool. Talk to me a little bit about that. Talk to me about... Those, I mean, what has all of that stuff that took place at 9, 10, 11, 12 years old? Because you played pretty well. I mean, the guitars, the guitar was tackling you because it was bigger than you. (laughs) But uh, talk to me about, you know, 
that musical influence and and what it's done on your journey to 19? Well, definitely it's made me different. I've always grown up being into different music and into different styles. Even, you know, it's even influenced the way I dress and, you know, the way I talk and the way I listen to things. But most of all, I think it's just based from the fact that I'm an old soul I don't know which came first, the old soul or the music that turned me into an old soul. But I think that it's just, you know, people say all the time, um, you're born in the wrong era and everything like that. You live in the wrong era. And, you know, I mean, sometimes I believe it. uh, And then other times I'm like, well, I think I'm in the right era so that I can kind of bring it all back sort of thing. Um, But definitely it's made me being into the different genre of music than most kids or most people my age, I think it's made me a bit of a stronger person just because... People bust your chops about that, dude? Yeah, every once in a while. Really? I mean, people, pe- people are kind of... Well, most people are like, oh, I love it, you know, and everything like that. But yeah. also, it's like when people throw on a song just, that everyone knows except you, and yeah. you're like, what is this? Like, are you kidding me, man? What do you listen to? I'm like... Not this. <laughs> Dude, I listen to good shit. Yeah. What are you listening to? Let's play something, man. Pick something out from the early days. What what can we spin? What what song influenced you or what song do you just want to hear right now? Let's let's talk about that. All right. Um, let's see. What song do I want to hear right now? Something um, loud. Some, how about something loud? Okay. I'm gonna go with my favorite band. Well, one of my favorite bands, Guns N' Roses. Pick something deep for us. I'll pick something deep. How about we go with Don't Damn Me? Let's play that one. Yeah. Uh-huh. 
right, so obviously a deep track. That's a great song, one of my favorites off those records. Right on. I'm glad. I love it. Those two Use Your Illusion records, I thought they could have made one really good record. Like, there's there's some stuff on there that I can go either way on, but there's some songs that I really like. I prefer Use Your Illusions 1 to, to Use Your Illusion 2, but mm-hmm. Don't Damn Me, awesome song. I dig it. I'm glad. I'm glad. Me too. All right. So 2016, you put out a full-length record called Prince of Rock and Roll under the Jacob Cade Project banner, right? Yes. Yes, I did. How long did it take you to write that album? And what was that process like for you at a pretty young age? What did you learn from it? Well, honestly, that was when I did a lot of my growing as a musician. I worked with Rich Veltrop and Glenn Sawyer, who are the producers at the Spot Studios, which is where I recorded it. It's That's a local studio here yep, in town? here okay. in, in Lakewood. Okay. And basically, I went in with songs, and they said, well, we got to have new songs. You know, I think you can write better songs. And so I came home, and I just started writing. And through the course, it took us, I think, about two months or something like that to record all the all the songs, all 10 songs that are on there. So I wrote all of them. What would happen is I'd come home, write one. Then we'd go in and record it the next day. You did all the writing by yourself? Mm-hmm. Wow. Yes, I did. Okay. So I wrote, and then we would go in and record. It would take us, I think, about two or three days a song, um, something like that. And... That um, eventually led to us recording an extra four more, which are on iTunes as well, connected to the Jacob Cade Project Prince of Rock and Roll Deluxe record. Which is the one I have. Yes, perfect. I love it. And then, yeah, I really just learned how to, one, write a good song that has some meaning and some depth to it and not to kind of cookie cutter everything. I also learned very much on how the recording process is and how it's just you're under the spotlight and you've got to play these parts and play them perfectly, essentially. And also I've learned how to be a little bit more creative and trying to use different tools and get cool sounds and utilize that you're in the studio. You know, you can do crazy things if you want to. And I learned how to write a good solo, one that's actually mapped out well just through you know, actually playing and hearing myself back on a track. You know, different things like phrasing was a big one. And we should talk about that a little bit because, so you sing and play guitar as part of your band. Mm -hmm. You're the lead singer and the guitar player, which, I mean, it's hard enough to play an instrument. It's twice as hard to play an instrument and sing. Mm -hmm. Just kind of rewinding, when was the decision made that, you were going to do everything, sing and play guitar. Did you ever consider trying to just find a singer so that you could just be that Jimmy Page and do your thing? When did that happen and what was that process like? So it was when I was about 14, I got into ZZ Top (laughs) and uh, Billy Gibbons just, for the longest time, I just wanted to be a guitar player. I didn't want to sing. Okay. And then when I got into Billy Gibbons, you know, I was like, this is actually really cool. I want to do that. So I started singing. And then that just started the whole thing of, you know, I figured out, hey, I can play and sing pretty well, you know, let me just keep going with this. And I love to sing now. It's like the greatest form of expression. It's easy in the studio to play and sing because you don't have to play and sing. You exactly. You record the parts separately, but yeah. live, it's a different story, right? Live, it's all out there. 
You didn't have an issue with that? No, it's the weirdest thing. I don't know why it worked so well and I don't know how, but it just kind of worked. I just kind of did it. And it was a challenge, of course, you know, like anything I had to learn how, but it just kind of came to me. And I think it's the fact that guitar has become an extension of my body now. So I know the neck very, very well without looking at it. And that's something that I worked on not looking at the fretboard when I play just because I've seen guitar players that do that all the time and it just does not look cool. (laughs) So, I mean, it goes different ways. Usually guitar players and singers are singers and they play guitar. Right. I'm other way around. I'd like to say I started as a guitar player. I'm a guitar player that sings, you know, Yeah, you're a guitar player first. mm -hmm. Right. And so I think that's goes to say something when I'm, you know, playing, something that maybe is a bit more difficult than than the normal guitar player singer right. usually it's just power chords i'm sure. more of riffs while i play and stuff like that so i think the fact that i was into guitar so much and guitar is just a knack of mine yeah it just became easy for me to sing on top of it as well yeah and to the listeners i took us way off course it's completely my fault i had a thought and i went with it and i went back there (laughs) and originally i was talking to jacob about the recording of prince of rock and roll and you know i just i wanted to find out about when the whole singing and the guitar playing came but you were talking to us about prince of rock and roll and i do want to get back to that and you wrote the whole record and you would record as you were going along but you were doing all this while you were still in high school right i was yes yeah So that's crazy, but you learn some different recording techniques, which is great. I have a feeling as we get further in this conversation, because we're going to talk about some things, you learned a whole lot more when you jumped into that EP. You haven't released the EP yet, right? No, just two songs. Yeah. But it's coming. Yeah. (laughs) We're going to get into all that, but let's play something off of Prince of Rock and Roll. So Perfect. I have my favorites. What are your favorites? Well, my favorites are... um I love to play Ball and Chain. Yeah. I love to play Not Your Clown. Not Your Clown is probably one of my favorite songs to play live, actually. I also really love the track Danger. Danger is one of my favorite songs just because I went crazy with timing and everything on that that song. So I would... I would pick Danger if I were going to pick a song, but what's yours? You want me to pick a song? Yeah. All right. I think I'm going to pick Ball and Chain. Right on. I love it. All right. So let's play Ball and Chain because I love that tune. I'm a big fan. I kick off tracks and Ball and Chain is a good uh, just straight ahead rocker with a big thick riff at the beginning. Oh, That's yeah. what I love. So this is Ball and Chain off of Prince of Rock and Roll, Jacob Cade Project. Rock and Roll.
So that was Ball and Chain off of Prince of Rock and Roll, which you can find at iTunes. Go out there and find it. Is it available at Amazon? Yes, it's available anywhere. Anywhere you get music. Perfect. Go check that one out. So let's advance because that was the early stages. That was 2016. And now you're working on, or you've completed, but you haven't released this EP, Hunger. Yes. So the first question up front is why an EP versus a full-length record that you released two years ago? So we went with an EP, just more of a business decision type thing. We're a new band, a very new band. And so an EP, you know, with six really good songs just to put out there and find our fan base, it turned out to be one of those business decisions that's a really good and smart way to go for us. And especially we were working with Michael Wagner at his studio in Nashville. And at the time, I'm a senior in high school still. And it's at the end of the school year when (laughs) finals are coming up and everything like that. So it it all just kind of lent itself to we should just do six songs and kill it. Let's rewind a little bit. So you said some things that I heard there that were really key to me, which is a business decision. And I think that this is probably one of the new blueprints for breaking rock and roll these days in 2018. You saw it with Greta Van Fleet, their rock band, they're young, 
And they're basically doing that similar blueprint where they released an EP, then they released a double EP, which to me is a complete bullshit term. It's a record, yeah. That's a complete bullshit term. I've had this conversation on the podcast before. Just call it a record, man. Yeah, what the hell is a double EP? If you got eight songs, it's a freaking record. Yeah. But whatever. So they call it a double EP. And I just recently had a conversation with their publicist, and the record is done. The full-length actual record, what they're calling a record, is done. So they've got a new record that's coming out. But they did this double EP and you see it from a lot of other bands right Skid Row did EP1 and then EP2 a little bit later on six months down the road I have actually no problem with it because I think there's just so much freaking music out there today flying at our heads at a thousand miles an hour it's just hard I have a problem spending time with a full 12 song record these days yeah and that's just it you know people don't buy records anymore man they buy songs or they download songs you know i think nine out of ten teenagers that you pick are gonna be like i've never listened to a full record all the way through so sad (laughs) right so sad but i think it's uh coming back i was just talking to lizzie hale earlier today and she said they asked her you know what do you think about the vinyl revival type thing and and she said Well, I think the commitment is coming back, like the commitment to music. People are, you know, it takes a commitment to put a record on and listen to it all the way through. And you can't switch songs. So you have to listen to everything and then switch the sides and everything like that. And I thought that was very interesting, which goes to show, I think, you know, maybe kids are starting to get into that a little bit more if vinyl is really making a comeback like they say it is. But I think it's part of that. And also it's part of the nostalgia of having a record and putting it on the turntable and everything makes feel good. (laughs) I have a million thoughts on this thing. Yeah, I agree with some of that. I think vinyl is making a comeback, but I think it's also vinyl's making a comeback with the people that were already audiophile people and Mm -hmm. into rock and roll. I think rock and rollers hanging on to albums or CDs or cassettes or eight tracks or whatever the hell you want to call it might actually be hurting rock and roll as a genre. And the reason that I say that is because the people that are prospering and the people that are skyrocketing are these people that are getting 5 million streams through Spotify Mm -hmm. and rock and rollers are listening to albums instead of jumping in on the streaming bandwagon. Wow, that's interesting. It's an interesting take on it. I'll be honest with you. I held out on the stream thing for a long time, but I jumped on board about six months ago. And one thing I can honestly say is not only do I have music at the beck and call anytime, but I've discovered so much new music mm-hmm. that I really love these days. Yeah, so it's a good thing. It's not a bad it's, thing. I yeah, think, it, I think we need to find a way to get everybody on the same plane. You yeah, know what I mean, I agree. You referenced a couple people. We're going to talk about all this. The first thing is, is how do you end up with Michael Wagner? Well, that came through a guy named Johnny Dunnell, who is in Nashville. He runs Daredevil Productions, and he knew Michael and connected me with him and Michael was like I want to record a record with this kid and that turned into a giant snowball of events which I'm sure you've yep. you've researched so what's your connection to Johnny 
Johnny is actually my social media guy out okay. of Nashville. He runs all my social media pages and does a whole bunch of stuff for me. So you, you guys hired Johnny to do your social media and you say, hey, I'm looking for a producer for the new EP. And he says, like, I know Michael Wagner, I can hook you up. I mean, yeah, something like that. Really? Um, it was it was more of like, hey, what do we do? And he goes, well, I think we should record a record. Michael Wagner is on my line. And I was like, all right, let's get it. So it just kind of happened. And it happened so fast. I mean, looking back at it, it was like one day I have no idea that I'm going to even talk or meet with this guy, Michael Wagner. And then the next day I'm in his studio playing him demos. <laughs> I mean, that's amazing. Michael Wagner, everybody that listens to this show or listens to our type of music knows who Michael Wagner is. I don't need to go into Michael's career. I mean, that's amazing. And so from the Michael Wagner connection and the recording of the new EP Hunger, then he introduces you to co-writing partners in Rachel Bolum from Skid Row and Lizzie and Joe from Hailstorm, correct? Yes, and Paul Taylor from Winger. And Paul Taylor from Winger. So did Michael bring the idea of doing co-writes for the EP or did you say, hey, I would like to start reaching out to people to co-write? Yeah, it came from me. Yeah. Uh, Michael Wagner was like, dude, you can do this yourself. But I wanted that experience, you know, I wanted to find out how that all worked because I know that successful people, they have co-writers and they, you know, collaborate. That's a lot of successful musicians do that. And even the people that are in Guns N' Roses, Skid Row, you know, they're a band and they're co-writing with each other. Sure. So that's kind you of where... You didn't have a band to lean on so much and you, exactly. had, you had written the entire first record on your own and at some point you were like, damn, I'm 19 and I'm already tired and uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm a 19-year-old kid so I'm sort of lazy so I would like somebody to help me with this. Is that how it I wouldn't say lazy. I, I, would say, I would say it was more of that hunger of... I want to figure out how these successful people write yeah. music. Right. And I want to see if, how close it is to the way I'm doing it. Well, so now did you do that because you knew Michael knew all these people? Would you have felt the same way if it was Joe the plumber that was willing mm -hmm. to co-write a song with you? I actually had no idea who I was going to be doing yeah. this with. I actually co-wrote with a bunch of other people that weren't... Just songwriters that yeah, weren't they, famous. They were songwriters, exactly. And then, did you do all that in Nashville? Yes, I did. And then, a lot of songwriters in Nashville. There's, there? there's a lot. The first go around was great. I learned a lot, but it wasn't until the second go around. Michael was like, "Hey, how about I hook you up with these guys?" And it just went, and it was awesome. <laughs> so let's talk about that. So the first co-write you did was, what's your problem with Rachel? Was that the first one? I can't remember what exact order it was. Yeah. But it was all on the same visit, but um, yep. Go right with Rachel. First single, What's Your Problem, you wrote with Rachel, and you can, I don't know who came up with uh, which part of that song, but I can definitely see where maybe Rachel's sort of punk influence yes. came across. So I came in with this riff, the guitar riff, mm -hmm. which was 
I wanted the song I explained. I was like, let's do something like a user losing type in your face. Now, I hear that riff and I hear you really got me yeah. off the Van Halen record. Yep. That's one thing that a lot of people hear that. I, and I think part of that might be actually your damn guitar tone on that song sounds so straight off of Van Halen 1. I don't really? know what Michael, I don't know wow. if that was Michael. What'd you, what did you do to record that? What were you using? Honestly, I we used the Kemper. Yeah. And where you can dial up anything you want, yeah. right? The Kemper dials uh-huh. up any tone, any yeah. freaking like if so I think Michael might have dialed in Eddie's rig from that first record on that song. Actually, I'll tell you what I used. I used one of his amplifiers that he it's in his studio and he profiled it into the Kemper. One of Michael's um, one of Michael's yeah. heads that he's yeah. got, you yeah, know, he's in, got that tons ma- of it. in yeah. that yeah. In that amazing collection of his, and I believe it was a it was a Marshall. I don't remember exactly what head it was. We were using so many different ones, but yeah, he used that profile, and then you know we tweaked some things. And actually, right now, all my settings on those songs are saved into Michael's Kemper uh, in Nashville. So it sounds great. Thank you. It sounds really good. So you you came up with the riff. Where did Mm -hmm. where did Rachel's influence come in? So basically, I played the riff and then I started you know going off of it and I kind of wrote the whole guitar part and then Rachel pulled out his bass and then we started jamming it together and then structured the song musically then we went to actually record it I recorded the guitar part over some sample drums and then we just started singing we played the song and you know we know here's a verse here's a verse here's a chorus here's a b part here's a bridge now rachel didn't record right he just no yeah we just recorded like a demo more or less the co-writing uh part you went over to his house is that right Mm -hmm. what was that like for you oh awesome (laughs) it's surreal it was rad but i mean like like all of them were it was like, hey, how's it going? I'm Jacob. And it was, hey, how's it going? I'm Rachel. Or, hey, how's it going? I'm Lizzie. Or, I'm Paul. I'm Joe. Yeah. And then it was, all right, let's write a song. Like, we were buddies. That's like we were basically old friends. it. Yeah. Where did you write with Lizzie and Joe? At their place at, as well. At mm-hmm. their place. I would love to get her and her brother on Growing Up Rock because I would love to talk to them about the dynamic of a brother and sister in rock and roll growing up in a household with rock and roll. That was very, very surreal. I've been a Hailstorm fan all for a very long time and then pulling up to their driveway and then getting out of the car and Lizzie runs out from the front door and says, Jacob, it's great to meet you. Can I help you carry your stuff in? It was amazing. Awesome. And then... Like I said, it was like we were friends forever and just wrote the song. It was awesome. And what was that writing session like? Was it as far as did it differ greatly that writing session from the one with Rachel or were they pretty much similar in terms of how they went? All of them were very similar. They all came together relatively quick. Yeah. All of us as artists just kind of meshed. It was really cool. They were all more of hangouts than they were like business meetings type of thing right on Um, and it was just super cool to comfortable comfortable yes exactly it was like we are now hanging right and with a guitar and all right so let's write a song let's do it you know what are you thinking just throwing ideas up against the wall and picking off the good ones and putting them in the mix stuff like that is there one main thing that you took away from the songwriting process as far as maybe the construction of a song or how to go about it process-wise? Yeah, um, I guess the one thing I took away is <laughs> it always changes. Yeah. 
there is no right or wrong answer. You know, you can write from a bass riff, you can write from a guitar riff, you can write from a vocal line, you can write from a drum, you can write from a hum, you know, it's, right. it comes from all different directions and all different ways. A song, they're like snowflakes. Right. Man. So literally, if I pull out my kazoo right now, you and I can write a song and I can <laughs> hum something and play it on guitar. If you put your mind to it, <laughs> definitely. Awesome. I definitely think so. Put a kazoo solo in there too. Let's bust something off this EP. Let's crank something up off this EP. What do you want to play? Let's play Icky Nicky, man. Why not? I love that tune. I love the riff. Let's play some Icky Nicky. This right is the on. one you wrote with uh, Lizzie, right? Yes, it is. All right. Icky Nicky. So that was Icky Nicky off the forthcoming EP, Hunger, right? Yes, it was. Right on. All right. Sweet. Moving right along. So I hear often that there's nothing new in rock and roll. You constantly get people bitching and comparing much of the new music to older acts, just like with Greta Van Fleet. Mm. People are going, ah, oh, they sound Zeppelin. just like Zeppelin. <laughs> 
Uh, I personally don't give a shit. Good music is good music. So I really don't care whether you sound like Van Halen or you sound like Zeppelin. To me, rock and roll, this is how rock and roll lives and breathes. What are you really going to do new with rock and roll? So what, if anything, do you buy into that? Uh, And do you think that Jacob Cade needs to provide anything new in quotations to rock and roll other than just writing and playing good music a uh, man i think the new factor i think there's something new in any different any other band even greta van fleet they've got something new i mean they yeah they sound like zeppelin or whatever you can say that but again i'm gonna use this analogy bands are like snowflakes man they're always different and it's the same genre yeah rock and roll i mean big guitars here's how they're different in the songs that they they perform i don't think i mean this has been my argument all along i don't think that highway tune from greta van fleet sounds like rock and roll so to me i i'm getting a brand new song from a band that sounds like a band i used to love so that's all i'm saying is that i don't think it's new i don't think greta van fleet is doing anything new with quotations and well i mean i can say to you i believe that it's the same stuff from the 80s and from the 70s but i think there's a twist some sort of modern twist to it some of that youthful thing and also you know with technology that we've got now you know and also being influenced by the pop stuff that's coming out very interesting vocal melodies and bit more so what's your new twist? What is Jacob Cade new bringing to rock and roll? I definitely think that we had a uh, slogan for the last record. It was Bruno Mars with big guitars. During my shows, I do a lot of dancing and a lot of like, even my look, it's more of that, you know, kind of 50s rocker type thing i mean i got like a the fade haircut and the the way i dress and everything like that i think i read somewhere in one of your bios or press releases or something i think i read somewhere that you were trying to bring the well-dressed gentleman back to rock and roll or something so like basically what you were saying or at least what i took away from what you were saying is that rock and roll Rock and roll has always been kind of a dirty sport, at least yeah. in the 80s and, mm-hmm. and 90s, right? It's been, uh, it's gotten worse as time has gone on, where it's, <laughs> it's tattoos, it's jeans, it's it's everybody's covered Boots. from head to toes <laughs> with, with tattoos nowadays. But yeah. back in the day, so around the time of early Zeppelin, The Who, things like that, you would see promotional pictures by a lot of these bands where they were decked out. And, it, and I think maybe a lot of it was English influenced where they were decked out in three-piece suits and yeah. things like that. Yes. Uh, so you saw some of that there, which occasionally a promo picture will turn up from a band today. I think I might have seen the Foo Fighters dressed up in, in three-piece suits or something at Ooh. one point in time, but occasionally you see it. But I think that's what I took away is that you were talking about kind of trying to bring back that spirit because you're, yeah. not, you're not tattooed up. You're no. not a tattooed up kid. You don't have long hair down to your ass. You look like a normal 19-year-old yeah. kid. I mean, I'm being honest here. Thank you. No, I mean, I, I agree. I'm the dude with the cool sneakers with the skinny jeans and the stylish outfit type of thing. And, you know, maybe a bit more, I could say, clean cut type of deal. Right. 
and I pride myself in that. I love that. Uh, and I think that's kind of what sets me apart is that look. And also I try to, I try to cop different vocal melodies from guys like Bruno Mars and guys like Justin Timberlake. And I, I try to kind of incorporate that into my music as well. But I mean, as far as the music itself, aside from vocals and everything, it's rock and roll, man. Yeah. It's a mix of all my different, all my different influences kind right. of molding into one thing as far as the music and, and the shows go. So fair enough. With everything that you've been involved with so far in this very young career of yours in the music industry, what's your impression with the music industry today? Well, being I've been in it for a very short time, I do think it's a very, very hard industry to make sense of. <laughs> it's it's all up in the air to me. But what I can say is it's definitely who you know rather than what you know. Doesn't matter too much how great you are or how good you are. You still got to know the right people and have a little bit of luck with who you are in the circle with. As far as it goes now, until I met people from that circle that could actually do things for me and knew the right people. You were unknown. Yeah, yeah. unknown. And now you meet someone like Michael Wagner or, or Johnny Dunnell even and Lizzie Hale and Willie B from KBPI and I can go on and on and on. Yeah, I mean, let's talk about that because, I mean, it's hard for me because I grew up with friends that were uber talented that spent days and, and months and years in garages that wrote songs that I thought were pretty good. And here comes Jacob Cade X amount of years later, and he ends up with Michael Wagner and then Lizzie Hale and then Rachel Bolin and then, and then Paul Taylor and then all these people. And then on top of that, if, if all that wasn't enough, I'm reading this bio and the bio is written by Lon Friend, yeah. which, you know, Lon Friend, Rip Magazine, part of my personal grown-up rock story because, I mean, I read Rip Magazine when I was growing up, you know? And so there's all these things. And, I mean, you obviously, 100%, I believe what you're saying is is true. You're not actually saying anything new. It's always been what you who you know, not what you know, right? I mean, that's for any job. Yeah, definitely. So how does all this come about? I mean, you talked about how the Wagner thing came up and and that led to the Lizzie and the Lizzie, the Joe, the Rachel and the um, Paul Taylor. Uh, how did the lawn friend ha- thing happen? That came through, through Johnny as well. And Who's also Johnny? I need to know Johnny yeah. Dwindall a little bit better. I think so. Johnny connected us with Barry Lyons. Yeah. And yep. Barry Lyons connected us with Lawn Friend. Okay. And a whole bunch of other people that are working on the Jacob Cade project now. Because Barry's been in the business for a long time, and I've recently had dealings with Barry, getting to know Barry, because the big news and what's exciting for all of us in the podcast world is Rock and Pod 2 in Nashville coming up in August. And that's going to be a huge deal. And just recently announced. Our friend sitting right across the dinner table from me, Jacob Cade, is going to be appearing at Rockin' Pod 2. That's right. I'm super excited for that, man. I'm, I've always wanted to play a show in Nashville since I visited there for the first time, and I cannot wait. Please make sure you subscribe to our podcast, Growing Up Rock, and leave us a review on iTunes. Give us a like and leave us a comment on Facebook. 
at Growing Up Rock. And so just to kind of hammer this home, this all came about organically, which is, and let me see if I can remember exactly how this came about. So I know the Dead Daisies press person, Chip. Yes. Chip, who also is a press person for Jacob. So yes, indeed. Chip's a great guy. He set up the interview that I did with uh, Marco Mendoza way back when. And so Chip and I were talking and Chip said, hey, I got this new stuff. Give it a listen. One of the things he sent me was Jacob Cade. And I was interested because I heard it. I liked it. And I like the new, young, up-and-coming artist angle because it is part of what Grown Up Rock is all about. So I reached out to Chip set me up with Claudia, who's your mom. And somehow in this whole conversation, I started talking about Rock and Pod 2, which I'm involved with. And Jacob's mom says, oh, that sounds awesome. Can Jacob be a part of that? Yeah. And so one thing led to another. And so now Jacob is at Rock and Pod 2. And we're happy to have him. We're excited. He's going to be playing the after party show, which is Saturday night after the Rock and Pod Expo, which takes place on Saturday. This is a whole weekend of events. Friday night, we have just announced Tor Tora and. Ron Keel and Angel, Punky Meadows and Frank Marino. But all these people are playing Friday night at the pre-party. The expo is Saturday. And then Jacob is playing with four bands on Saturday night. So just amazing how all this comes about. And then, of course, I'm taking a trip to Denver. Jacob lives in Denver. So now I'm sitting across the table from Jacob talking to him because I wanted to get his grown-up rock story before he comes to Nashville. And I appreciate it greatly, man. Thank you so much. (laughs) Thanks for having me. Thanks for inviting me into your house. And thanks for just, you know, playing some rock and roll and telling me your your story and just spinning some tunes. Uh, You know, we're looking forward to having you at Rock and Pod 2. You're going to be amazed because there are 25 podcast shows dedicated to rock and roll where people are fans. And they're not being paid to play the same song over and over again we care about the music and the artist so just like with grown up rock you're going to hear new jacob cade music and you're going to hear old classic music but you're not going to hear the same tunes you didn't hear welcome to the jungle or sweet child of mine you heard something much deeper because we love that stuff and so that's what it's all about so Thanks, man. Of course. Oh, man. Thank you. This was awesome. I really appreciate it. It was very cool to tell my story, you know, and kind of reflect back on where yeah, you know, makes Jacob you, Kate came makes from. Makes you remember, right? Yeah, definitely brings back memories. That's for sure. So before we get out of here, let's do this. Uh, what do you? Is there anything currently, any new rock and roll that you're listening to or that you've heard lately that you're like, man, that's killer? There is. The very newest thing that I've been listening to almost on repeat is my friend Lizzie's new track, Hailstorm's new track, Uncomfortable. I think that song kills. So why don't we play that right now? Let's play it right now. I'm into it. New Hailstorm. This is going to make my co-host Hollywood Pooney so excited because he is a complete Hailstorm freak. And so we're going to spin this new one from Hailstorm. This is Uncomfortable. Rock and roll. 
right, Jacob. Well, it's been great talking to you. I appreciate spending all this time. We'll, I'm sure we'll talk to you at Rock and Pod too because you'll be making the rounds there with all the podcast, and uh, we are absolutely going to plan on coming to the show on Saturday night. Awesome. So we're going to get to catch you live. It's going to be a great weekend in Nashville. We're excited to see you. Uh, so is there anything else we want to we wanna cover before we cut this thing? Man, I just want to say, all you listeners out there, go to my social media. I'm under at Jacob Cade Rocks. I'm on Twitter. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram. Go check me out. Message me if you want. I'll answer. We can talk. I love to talk to fans. Yeah, and also, if you go to giftfromjacob.com, I'll give you a free song download. Sweet. There you go. And yep. we'll tie, we will tie all this into the show notes on our webpage. So uh, you don't have to worry about writing all this down or how to spell stuff. Just go to growinguprock.com, G R O W I N U P R O C K.com, and go to this podcast episode and all that information on how to spell Jacob Cade. Because yes. it's really <laughs> difficult. C A D E. Hey. Uh, and all the social medias and go get yourself a free song from Jacob. You won't be sorry. Thank you so much, man. Yes, go do that. And I look forward to uh, hearing your guys' insight on what the rock music and what the Jacob Cade music does to your ears. <laughs> Sweet. All right. Thanks, Jacob. Thank you. Get ready to shuffle, rattle, and roll. Play us out, boys. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. 
And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 